Blog Talk Radio. The Hollywood Boulevard Podcast, hosted by Jonathan Moody and Donnie Sturgis. Hello, and submitted for your approval. Uh, tonight's episode, we are talking The Twilight Zone. Um, I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and I'm here with Donnie Sturgis. How are you doing, Donnie? I'm doing good. Hey, everybody out there. All right. And we also have our producer, Alfred Crane, on the line. How are you doing, Alfred? Doing great, thanks. Great to be here on another cold Monday. Yes, yeah, speaking of cold, I think I'm getting one. So uh, if my voice sounds a little bit different than normally is, that is exactly why. I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday for the first time over a Facebook thing, and I forgot to inform them that I had a cold. So they were like, you don't sound anything like what I was imagining you sound like. <laughs> you know, I didn't explain to them. But anyway, moving on, I digress. We we're going to talk about the Twilight Zone, uh, which was something that I was getting into just right before we decided to do this. I was watching a few episodes and stuff, and then I was like, you know, let's do an episode on it because I have been watching a bunch of them. And uh, we can talk about kind of, uh, I guess we started off with like the origin of uh, Twilight Zone. And I know, like, Alfred, I know you watched a um, documentary on Rod Serling recently. And uh, did it talk anything about the opening, like, the origins of of the Twilight Zone, like what caused him to kind of do it? I'm one of the – he was a writing for American Playhouse Theater for different sponsors like Kraft or Schlitz or – and he would write these plays. He had, like, different ideas for, like, morality plays. And he couldn't – he kept getting censored or his, his stuff rewritten. And he wasn't able to write what he really wanted to write in shows. So that's, like, the origin of the, his own show in the Twilight Zone. He was able to do something that um, he wanted to do and he had some control over. Exactly. I I think I know he was a big fan of Pulp Fiction stories. Not Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. the movie, but Pulp Fiction stories. And, um, you know, from, uh, was it, uh, like, I don't know, like uh, sci-fi magazines, right, or something, you know, things like that. Right. And, um, and you can kind of see the elements of that in a lot of Twilight Zone. Uh, but he also liked to talk about, like, the government and war and society and things that back in the 50s everybody was so – like they didn't want to talk about politics or anything like that on um, TV because they were afraid of, uh, I mean, it was basically censorship back then, you know, Um, they were afraid that, you know, people would, uh, you know, the happy go lucky people that, that were there these days, you know, wouldn't be able to nowadays, like you just turn on the news and it's like, you know, all over the freaking place. Facebook and shit. He would hate, I think he would hate living in today's society because it's just all over the place and it's annoying. You know? 
and more so. But back then, it was kind of new. Donnie, what did you think about the like kind of? Did you do you know much about his origin? About how um, Twilight Zone kind of was created? I know a little bit about it. I mean, I've I've read stuff over because I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan. I've been a fan since I was a kid. Um, it's like I know like he always struggled as far as a writer because even when the Twilight Zone was was on TV, he struggled with the networks. Um, he was constantly uh, butting heads with the networks because they wanted things a certain way, and he didn't. He wanted to do things his own way, and so I know even even with his own show doing his own thing. Same thing with Night Gallery because he went on to do Night Gallery afterwards. Um, it was always a constant struggle to try to do things the way he wanted to do them, and the and the networks were always like, "We want to do this." Like a prime example is um, CBS insisted that in the fourth season they switch to an hour long format for the Twilight Zone. And Serling hated that idea. He didn't want. He like he thought the half hour format was perfect. You could you could tell the story, get in, get out. You know, do the you know basically everything you needed to know was 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 perfect within like twenty five minutes with commercials. And CBS was like, no, we'll do it for an hour. And they tried it and it failed um, because the stories were too long. There was too much filler. And Serling was like, yeah, this isn't working. And so by when they went to by by the time they went to the fifth season, they went back to the half hour format. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that I know is that Serling was very much, uh, he was very headstrong. He was very much, I will do things my way. And, uh, it was always constant struggle with everybody that he was around to, to try to do things what he wanted to get, do them. Yeah. Funny you mentioned the fourth season because the fourth season is not actually even on Netflix. Um, and it was only 18 episodes as opposed to like the 30 something episodes that, uh, sure. the other, uh, the other seasons were so obviously they did really didn't do, didn't do as well or you know or wasn't going as well as planned. I I would love sure. to see those episodes though because I would do love you to have see what do you have Hulu? Do I have what? Yeah, I do. do. You have Hulu? Is it on Hulu? They're yeah. They're on they're on Hulu for free. Yes. Awesome. Yes, you can I watch the, the you can watch the entire yeah. You you can actually watch uh, all five seasons on Hulu, including the fourth season, all for for free or for whatever you pay for for Hulu. Um, yeah, because I've actually been watching episodes myself, um, and I discovered uh, that uh, I I just happened to see them on Hulu, and I checked, and sure enough, the fourth season's on there. And I've watched a few episodes of the fourth season, and yeah, they are there are a couple of gems, but oh my gosh, they are a lot of them are a slog to get through because like 20 minutes in and they have to add all this extra bonus stuff that has nothing to do with the story. Like it's, it's not as concise. It meanders all over the place. And yeah, it's, it's really hard to get through an hour long of these kind of stories. So uh, I totally agree with Sarah yeah. on that one. The, the hour long format was, was a bad idea. So, but yeah, if you, if you want to see the fourth season, go to Hulu and you can watch them on Hulu. All right. And then another fact I found was um uh, he was also in World War Two. He was a paratrooper in Leyte Gulf and and that, that combat experience had shaped his outlook too. Like in a lot of his yeah. military dramas that he did and Right. I said that was interesting too. Well it, it's funny, uh, because like, you know, people like Ed Wood was in the and was in war, you know, I don't know if he's in World War Two or anything, but he was uh, he, I think he was a paratrooper and it, it's just funny how a lot of these, you know, a lot of writers go out and they kind of like shape their own stories based around, you know, their experience in the, in the military or, you know, 
dealing with that stuff. So, um, okay, so let's um, – But I'm not comparing Ed Wood to Rod Serling. They're completely different, just so you guys uh, understand that. <laughs> All right. Um, next uh, – I guess next thing that we want to discuss, I want to discuss our – what are our favorite episodes? Now, I think we ha- we can probably all each kind of like come up with like five of our favorites, you know, at least probably even more. Um, but um, let's let's try to stick with trying to find, you know, uh, just say a couple of them, and then maybe we can keep kind of going around too. And what was it that made these particular ones stand out? I guess let's go with uh, Donnie first. Actually, go with Alfred first. I gotta, I gotta think about this. Okay. One. Okay. What, what about you, Alfred? Five or just a couple to get us started. Just, uh, just to get it started, just a couple. Um, one of my all-time favorites is um, the one. It's not Needful Things, but it's like What You Need or something. This guy has a. There's a couple with a with a salesman who's around the street. Um, one of them has him where he's um, he's basically pitching the devil, uh, not the devil. He's pitching death, and oh, yeah. then, um, basically the pitch saves a girl's life. And the guy's kind yeah. of a bumbling guy, so he didn't accomplish anything in life. Which is another one of his archetypes in the show is people who hadn't accomplished or think they hadn't accomplished much. But the the salesman one, I was thinking of was he said it's what you need, and the guy was like. I need this and I need that. And he started making money and, and he's saying, what else do I need? And he gets these shoes and he goes, what, are they going to take me to a bank to get money? And then he slips in the road and gets hit by a car and it was like, it's what he needed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's twisting. Well, it's actually that... literally what the other guy needed, what the salesman needed, because he was the one, I, I, I watched this episode and he was it's pretty good, yeah. Um, the, the guy ends up um, getting killed because the other guy was going to be killed by him. Like that's what his right. future was going to, you know, going to be. And the guy was predicting his future. So he let the other guy die so that he could live. Interesting mm-hmm. uh, story. Um, and the other one that I, another one that I'll just for your consideration is um, this one where this M, this M3 Lee tank was on maneuvers out in the, the old out in the western part of the country in the 50s and then they kept finding these indian artifacts and then it turns out that they come across the battle of little bighorn oh yeah there's a revelation when you look at the monument and it's like that one just blew my mind because it was just really cool so those are a couple of my my favorites there are more but i just wanted to keep it to the couple right now that had an impact on me all right, uh, Donnie, do you uh, do you have a couple that you want to just throw out there? I do, and and one of the I don't because there's there's the episodes that everybody talks about. There, you know, the Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet, the Monsters Do on Maple Street, um, Eye of the Beholder. There are episodes that everybody <laughs> talks about all the time. Like the, the like I almost feel like you can retire those as as yeah. uh, the best episodes because they're they're the ones that everybody talks about. So. My one of my favorites, and I it's funny because I've been watching Twilight Zone since I was a kid because sci fi used to run it all the time, even when I was a kid growing up. You know, they didn't do the marathons like they do now, but they used to run it all the time when I was a, when I was a kid. So I would I, I love that show. I, I, I love the 
I, I love anthology uh, anthologies to begin with. I love the morality play aspect of it. I love that it's supernatural uh, in nature because I love I love supernatural elements and in, in, in stuff that I watch. So, um, but then when sci-fi started doing the New Year's Eve and Fourth of July marathons, I I glued to those like crazy. And the funny thing is, is I watch the marathons almost every year, and there's still a handful of episodes that I've never seen. Every once in a while, because usually when I tune in, it's the same episodes I've seen over and over again. But every once in a while, there's an episode that I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen this one. Uh, a couple of years ago, that happened, and it was called The Howling Man. And mm. it's basically got, it's got David Carradine in it, and he's an amaz- he, does, he does an amazing performance. Basically, it's about this guy who's seeking refuge from a storm, and he comes upon like this monastery – and they almost they, they turn him away at first, but he's like, I have nowhere to go. It's raining. It's awful. I'm hungry and, and I'm I'm cold. So they they agree to let him in. And while he when he, when he comes in, he hears this this howling like this, this like like a man howling in pain, like howling in like torture. And he's like, What is that? And the monks are are like, Don't worry about that. It's nothing and everything. And the man keeps prying, and eventually they're like, Look, this man is a bad person. Yeah, we're we're keeping him there, and you can't don't disturb him, don't mess with him or anything. And so he's like, okay, fine, I won't, whatever. And um, but then like he hears this guy like howling and just he, he's in so much pain, so he goes to him, and the man who and David Carradine or uh, not David Carradine, um, John Carradine, um, which again, solid performance by John Carradine as always. John Carradine looks like Moses, and he's he's basically in the cell. And he tells him, he's like, they've imprisoned me against my will. Um, it's horrible. It's awful and everything. Please help me get me out. And the guy agrees to let him out. And what you find out, like, by the end of the episode is that it was actually the devil. This monastery had managed to capture the devil and put him in this special cell. And this guy let him go. And as soon as he gets out, he turns into the devil. And he's like, you freed me. And he takes off. Um, I don't know what it is. It's such a great episode. It's called The Howling Man. I think it's in the second season. Um, yeah, second season. One of my favorite episodes. I saw it for the first time a couple of years ago, and I was like, holy crap, where has this episode been all this time? I keep, I've, I've missed it every time. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Um, another one of my favorites is um, – I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's the one where there's a girl and, – and this is the thing. I love I loved the twists. The twists are always so good. There's a girl – uh, working at a department store, and every time, like she uh, she has to take this elevator, and she goes up to this floor that supposedly doesn't exist. And every time she goes up there, she sees all these old mannequins and stuff there, and um, and it creeps her out and everything. And and then and she keeps hearing voices and stuff and and, and everything. And then you find out that there is no like this floor doesn't exist. But all at the same time, you also find out that this girl is actually one of the mannequins. And that each mannequin gets like a month to enjoy what life would be like as a human. And she has been, she is past due her time. She's supposed to come back so the next mannequin could have a turn, but she somehow forgot. Um, I just love the buildup for it because you don't know what the hell is going on. And by the time you get to the end of it, it's very creepy and it's scary. But then it also, like, it's one of those things where there's, and a lot of times on these, on, on the, on the Twilight Zone, you have like these endings that seem very benign, but they're also very menacing at the same time. So it's like 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 they're they're creepy, but at the same time you're like, well, there's really nothing wrong with this. But then why am I so creeped out by the way this has ended? Um, that's one of my favorites as well. So that, those are the, I think those are the top two that I would pick at this point. Howling Man is definitely uh, probably numero uno on mine. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'll go with for now. Uh, we can discuss more later. Yeah, that uh, mannequin okay. moment. I remember that. That was great. What'd you say, Alfred? Well, okay. I really enjoyed the mannequin one. That was cool. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. All right. Um, well, I would, uh, I guess, for the top uh, two, I'm going to go with ones that you know, like not many people have, um, you know, kind of talk about as well. Kind of, I think that's what's been the the common thing is because you know, obviously, people talk about, um, you know, uh, as you said, uh, Nightmare Twenty Thousand Feet, and um, there's there's obviously ones that are you know really good like. Um, uh, the one with the uh, the child. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now, um, off the top of my head. But um, the one I'm really, really into uh, that like surprised the hell out of me because I hadn't really heard of it. This episode was Five Characters in Search of an Exit. Um, oh yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen that one, but yep. basically this guy wakes up and he's in a room uh, full of different people that look. I mean, they all have a different kind of um, oh yeah, that's a good one thing that they're doing, and then all of a sudden they can't get out of this room, and they they climb up to the you know, the guy's trying to climb up to the top, and then when he finds out that they're all just actually just dolls inside of the you know, and yep, it was that's just a good interesting. One. It was it was like pre Toy Story, you know, in a way, sure. and, but it was like a live action Toy Story if you think about it. Like you know, oh yeah, absolutely. What would it be like if you were a a doll, like stuck in a a tin can? You know, Um, that's just awesome. I thought it was really well done, very funny. Um, In a way, like it was funny at the end when you find out what they are, because but most of the time you're kind of freaked out. You're like, why are these people stuck in here? Are they in hell? Are they in you know limbo? Are they in you know what are they? What is going on? And no, they're just dolls, and I think that was really good. Like, you just don't see it coming, and um, sorry for spoilers for people who have not seen it, but, you know, um, I think we've been spoiling had plenty of everything time. so far. So, you've had plenty of time. You know what I mean? I, I said earlier was It's a Good Life, um, which yep. I kind of don't like talking really about movie. that much because it's in the Twilight Zone movie as well, you know. Um, so it's like one of the ones that people always talk about. So I'm going to try to find another yep. one that, um, I guess my other favorite one, um, there was a couple from the first season, which were really, really good. Um, I mean, you know, for a first season, you would think, oh, are they, you know, are they, you know, they're not going to be that, that great. You know, because they're just still they're starting off and they're trying to get their footing. But for right. this this show was um was good. Oh, okay. The other one I want to talk about was the Chaser. Um, not a lot of people talk about this it, uh, as much, but I really liked it. And basically, it was about a guy who's like obsessed with this woman, and he ends up um going uh getting this card from this guy saying, "Go talk to this guy. If this is you know, if that's what you want, right?" Uh, if you want to be with that girl, um, you know, go meet this guy. So he meets this guy, and he basically says, all right, I've got a love potion for you. Basically, if you need me to, you know, whatever, there's, there's, you know, if you need me, come back, you know, like apparently they always do. And so he gives the love potion to the girl, and the girl becomes obsessed with him. 
And then he right. starts to just get irritated by it. <laughs> and like they, they're married right. for like six months and the woman's just like staring at him or whatever and annoying the hell out of him. Like my favorite part is like she like leans on him and says, you know, um, honey, is, is this annoying you for me leaning on you? And then he was like, no, it's, it's okay, sweetie. Like, was it annoying that I asked you if it was annoying? You know, like, <laughs> it was just like, it, it, that person was constantly doing that stuff. And, and, and that I could see how it could like, you know, so he ends up going back to the guy and getting uh, like basically poison to kill her. Right. That was the only way to, to, to get rid of her uh, affection for him. And so um, he ends up bringing it back. And then uh, when he finds out she's pregnant, he spills it, you know. And so he was like, well, it's okay. I never would have gone through with it anyway. <laughs> you know, like, and it was just, oh, my God, it's one of my favorites because I just, uh, you know, everybody's been there at some point, has had this, like, feeling for somebody else that has no feelings for them. But, like, can right. you imagine the roles being reversed and that person feeling the exact same way about you when you sort of still feel right. that way about them, but you know, you, you're like getting more, you know, like I just thought it was great. It's one of the best. So, um, okay. We got to move on. Uh, we've, we've kind of given a few episodes and I think we've given a few ones that not many people talk about on set um, or on uh, a lot. So the next one I want to say, talk about is the Twilight Zone movie. <laughs> And we actually have a question from the audience, uh, from Rob, <laughs> uh, once again, with us. Um, the Twilight Zone movie was fantastic. Do you think its re- reviews were hurt by the tragedy that happened during filming? Which is funny that we were going to bring this up a little bit. But so, Johnny, uh, since Rob's your, your friend, you know, your close friend, what do you, what do you think? Uh, you want to answer this for right now? And we'll... Sure. Yeah, I can. Um, I think it. I think it did. I um. I was just a. I was just a wee boy when when that movie came out, so I didn't know about the uh, about the tragedies that occurred until probably within the last like fifteen, uh, maybe twenty years. Um, but I think the tragedy absolutely did affect uh, affect his box office. Uh, cause that was. I mean, that was horrible, and it was just there was a lot of there was a lot of fingers to be pointed, a lot of blame. Uh, to be passed around um, during that time. Um, I mean, the tragedy was just so horrendous. I'm, I'm actually surprised that the movie even still came out. I think the only thing that saved it was, you know, basically Spielberg being behind it um, and, and just, the, you know, the rest of the directing uh, talent that was behind the film. Because otherwise, that that movie should have never come out after what happened. I mean, it's just I'm really, really surprised that even that, you know, occurred. But yeah, I definitely think that the the tragedy had a huge impact on the uh, um, uh, on 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 the success of that movie. All right, uh, what do you think, Alfred? Yeah, I agree. Um, it did. Um, some of the stories in in the movie were good, good, but I I, I think um, that tragedy probably did taint it. I mean, because everyone's more focused on the part that that happened, and uh, I think that might have sensationalized it. But, um... Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed parts of it. Um, I always had the trouble with the one where the 
the person was sending him out into the cornfield. So that one's always been disturbing. But I enjoyed you know, one of the cool things with the beginning of the movie, I to stay on the topic in that sequence is um I don't John Landis was a producer for it. And there's a clip in there when the four or five American soldiers are going through the swamp of Vietnam and then he's like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have killed Lieutenant Niedermeyer. Right. And Niedermeyer was in the Animal House and it says at the end of Animal House he was fragged by his own troops. So I thought that was an interesting connection from Twilight Zone to <laughs> Animal House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder because, cause, you know, John did direct that. And if you think about it after yeah. that, he didn't really, he hasn't really done a lot of really big stuff after that. Do you think that maybe his uh, directing has kind of stopped a little bit because of that or do you think it didn't hurt him as a director because of of well, the accident the film. i don't know did he did he direct that sequence he, or he directed that uh that, that segment yep oh, okay okay yeah he's uh and that that makes total sense of why it was uh you know but what do you think donnie do you think that john landis uh continued his career just fine after that, or do you think that maybe it might have hurt his career a little bit um, because of that? Well, he definitely he was in trouble for a lot of stuff because I know I think one of the stories was that uh, he had hired uh, he had illegally hired child actors uh, without uh, doing the proper uh, going through the tr- proper child child labor laws. I mean, he did a lot, but the thing is, is he. Yeah, I mean, he still did. He, he still did a number of films after um, uh, Twilight Zone, because Twilight Zone came out in what eighty three, and um, he still did like. Uh, he did Three Amigos, Coming to America, which are both really good films. Um, Buys I think like us. Buys like us and Into the Night and Amazon Women on the Moon too. Yes. Um, I think of anything, I think Beverly Hills Cop 3 probably uh, killed his career more than anything else, because um, that one <laughs> yeah. did not do well at all. But, um, but yeah, I, I would imagine, well, I, I, would, I would say that uh, the Twilight Zone incident was a cloud that hung over his career. I, I, it probably didn't help. Um, he was still able to put movies out even after the incident, so it, it didn't kill his career entirely. But I think probably the combination of, of the cloud that was over him because of Twilight Zone and the fact that he did a really bad Beverly Hills Cop sequel, uh, the combination of the two things probably did not help uh, at all. Um, although he's still kind of out there on the periphery. Like, he pops up from here from time to, t- time, to time. Uh, I know his son is doing a lot of stuff right now. Um, and he, did a lot of, he, does, he does a lot of executive producing uh, still for, like, television and stuff. So, I mean, he's, he's not – his career's not over – I think his career's just shifted. Because um, I know he's 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 executive producer uh of, of like he did Masters of Horror, he's he's done episodes of Psych, um, you know, so he's done documentaries. So I mean his career isn't dead, it's just I think it's shifted to something a little bit more uh like quieter, a little bit more subdued. You know, he's not out there in in front right. center as a director anymore. Um but yeah, I I, I wouldn't say that it that that the Twilight Zone thing caused his career to to do what it did, but it definitely had an influence. Uh, it's just a lot of bad things happened to that guy over over the course of the next several years, and now he is where he is. <laughs> All right. 
Um, See, one okay, of my favorite uh, sequences uh, in the movie was um, the whole Dan Aykroyd, you know, do you want to see something really scary? Oh, I, I, <laughs> lo- was, I love those. Oh, yeah, the uh, the interstitials between uh, the wraparound segments and stuff. I thought that was really yes, good. Um, now, uh, Alfred, do you, you have to do your uh, your thing because it's almost a minute till. Okay. Yeah, we're about to go off the live portion of the show um, at, in about two minutes, and then you can catch us for the final 15 on the uh, podcast section. You just load us up, hit us up, and um, we'll be on for the next 15 minutes of recorded. Thanks. All right. Um Okay, so moving on from the Twilight Zone movies, there were the Twilight Zone TV, like, you know, remakes kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to call them. The revivals. Yes, that's actually better. Sounds better. Uh, sounds more TV. Sure. Um, so let's um, let's talk about that. So I guess the first one was in the 80s. Um, Donnie, do you, have you watched those at all? And, like, what do you? Because a lot of them were, um, from what I understood, they were just, I believe they were an hour long, but they were just two different, you know, episodes of the ones that have already, two or three episodes of the ones that have already kind of been made, just remade. Um, What were your thoughts on them? Well, um, I've seen pretty much every uh, iteration of the Twilight Zone, including the original. I saw the 1985 series. Um, it wasn't like it's it's here's and this this goes back to what we were talking about with um uh when we when we did the episode on uh, uh are you afraid of the dark um anthology series are 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 a tricky business because uh, on the plus side you know they're they're somewhat easy to do because you you know if one episode doesn't work you can always come up with a better episode episode next week but at the same time it's also a hard uh animal to 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 tame because you have to come up with different concepts every week, you're not you're not doing a long running you know story, uh, so you have to come up with new ideas, new concepts every week, and try not to repeat yourself, and try not to you know come up with something that's bland. So it's 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 a it's it's a tricky horse to, to ride, and I have never really seen a bad anthology series like a truly horrible. There's usually at least a couple gems. Um, the 1985 series, I, I haven't I haven't seen a lot of, but I remember watching episodes of it here and there. It had a very low quality to it uh, in comparison to the old ones. Like I th- it almost I think I almost feel like they uh, they filmed it on videotape. Like it was it was not it, it did not have a very good high quality sheen to it. Um, some of the episodes were pretty decent. Nothing really stands out to me, um, unfortunately, uh, which is probably a testament to how good or bad it is. Um, I still liked it, and I, I've you know I've watched a few episodes here and there uh, in later years, um, and you know they it, they had a really great cast of people you know in the in the in the '85 uh, series, um, but they also had like writers like Rockney S. O'Bannon, you know like George Martin, Wes Craven, like a lot of people wrote for the show in the '80s, so there's some good talent behind it, but unfortunately it doesn't really stand out like the original, and I think that's the problem when you're trying to bring a show back you it's in the shadow of, of the previous, the, the, the incarnation everybody knows it's hard to step out of that shadow and become your own thing. The, um, the 2002 series, I actually watched, uh, as it aired, uh, every day or every week. Uh, that was the one that was hosted by Forrest Whitaker. Uh, it was on UPN. Uh, I watched every episode and I actually enjoyed that one a lot. 
one of my favorite episodes is they did something that they've never done before. They went back and revisited It's a Good Life. They had Billy Moomy come back. They had Cloris Leachman come back as their characters from the original uh, tale in the original series. And they had Billy Moomy's daughter uh, appear as his, as his character's daughter, and she had the same powers that he had. And it was them basically go basically uh, in a battle of wills against each other. It was actually I really loved it. It was it was nice to come back and revisit characters from an original story. Um, but I there were some really good episodes in that one too. I, I I have I've never hated an incarnation of Twilight Zone. I'll put it that way. That, that's that's my bottom <laughs> line. Um, but just like any anthology series, you're going to have some good ones and you're going to have some stinkers. That's just the way the game is played. So that's that's my two cents. All right. Well, what about you, uh, Alfred? Who do you think? I I I love the the Twilight Zone '85. I remember watching them on Fridays when they were on TV, and always looking forward to them. And mo- a lot of the episodes I, I remember to this day, and um, they did have an impact, and they had a lot of. Um, it's it, it's neat how it parallels the original Twilight Zone in that they had budding stars that would would come into their own within a few years. The, some of the episodes were a little goofy, but um, um, a lot of them were original. I don't recall many of them repeating some of the original Twilight Zone ones, though I'm sure there were. Um, I enjoyed... It wasn't until, like, 20 years ago that I found, that I, the Grateful Dead actually did the soundtrack for the show. I'm not going to see incidental music. Um, and when you listen to it now, you're like, oh, yeah. And I actually found a, D, a CD of a soundtrack for the show 20 years ago um, when I was uh, following the Grateful Dead. And then um, I was always looking for the episodes, and I found on Amazon, I bought the series. I've been working my way through them. And they have some deep episodes, some really disturbing episodes. And one I remember the most is this lady, she get, finds this medallion, and it gives her the power to stop time by saying, shut up. And it happens oh, wow. that, that she, she says, shut up when the nuclear missiles are flying because this is during the Cold War. And then um, she goes outside and there's this nuclear warhead, you know, like a couple, like about a couple, half a mile up in the air. So it's either oh, man. humanity gets wiped out or she saves everybody by keeping time stopped. So they still had a lot of those twists and turns and sure. And I, I one really enjoyed it. And, um, and looking back, it's like watching a good old movie. It's like, Oh, I didn't realize they were in this episode, you know, cause when I was a kid, I didn't realize who these actors were going to be. And, and unfortunately right. in when the new Twilight Zone, the 2002 Twilight Zone came out, I was traveling a lot for work and, and distracted by a few other things, so I didn't catch that one. So I'm looking forward to watching some of those. So those are some of my All thoughts right. in the Five Twilight Zone. All right, great. And I really um, like the homage, the, the quick clip they have of um, Rod Serling in the in the opening sequence of the '85 Twilight Zone. That's pretty cool how they did that. So, anyways. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Um, I've got to watch those. I have not seen them. Um, I don't think they're available on Hulu um, or Amazon or anything right now. I think you can buy them on DVD. That's what I do. Um, I, I bought the DVD. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. Um, 
I want to real quick. We've got about four minutes before we start wrapping up. Um, I wanted to talk uh, real quick about the new uh, revival that's going to be like the third revival of the Twilight Zone, with that Jordan Peele is supposedly going to be doing, um, which yep. I think is an interesting um, uh, person to have because I think Get Out is almost like a full-length feature Twilight Zone episode in a way. Um, sure, if you think sure. about it, there's the big twist at the end. There's, you know, a lot of suspense. You don't know what the heck's going on. And it's got a lot of uh, issues like racism and, you know, and all these different right. things all in one. So he is perfect. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like him and M. Night are like the two people that would be like the only people that are kind of like good for this. I know M. Night at one point talked about Tales from the Crypt. Um, and I yeah. that just fell through. So I'm hoping Twilight yeah, Zone doesn't fall through. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah, that Twilight Zone It'd be nice fall to see apart. more. Yeah. Um, what do you guys What do you guys expect from the uh, new revival? If uh, If we get anything, is there any kind of? Because I guess right now it's kind of like the perfect time. Um, there'll be a lot, pro- sure. probably a lot about social media. Um, there'll be a lot about political issues that are going, racism, um, which is always, I mean, that's the topic, period. All those things are kind of always going to be topical um, issues. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys expect? Uh, I guess, uh, Alfred, what do you expect? I, I think it'll be with these anthology shows like um, Dark Mirror and, uh, or Black Mirror and um, uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Um, I think the time's right for something like that, and I think you get a good talent like Jordan Peele. I mean, he had success doing a sketch show with Key and Peele, and um, Get Out was definitely hit a lot of Twilight Zone um, player, and um, I think it, it could be edgy. It would be a sense of humor um, and some good storytelling and some original stuff. Um I think they'd be cool if they did a couple like remakes of some and then just hit it with some original stuff in their spurs. But um, between that and he's also attached to an HP Lovecraft series that he's supposed to be developing for HBO with a few other folks. Uh, it's like an anthology series for that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think he's a good talent for it to head it up. All right. Uh, what about you, Donnie? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Um you clearly have a, a an amazing talent in uh in Jordan Peele. Um he's already shown his chops that, that he can, you know, produce and uh put out good content, good storytelling. Um and and you know, the um the current climate is ripe for this kind of uh bringing back this kind of storytelling uh format. Um I mean Granted, like like Alfred was saying, we've 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 already got a bunch of anthology series out now, like Black Mirror and stuff. So, the landscape is already littered with other shows that are doing it and doing it well. So it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Peele takes a classic, something that basically kicked it off, you know, the the father of it all, to bring it back and see how it holds up and stacks up against the current group. It's it's like it's like bringing back the a, a youthful version of your of your father to see how. Uh, to see how things are, are going with, with what you've started. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and see how it, how it holds up 
against all the other current uh, shows that are doing you know similar stuff and see if it can you know if it can still it can, if it can reclaim its uh, uh, its place at the head or if it'll just kind of become uh, white noise with the rest of them. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm looking forward to it though because I, I any any new anthology series is great. I'm I'm all I'm all aboard. And I would hope that someone like Netflix or Amazon or or like a place where they can do a little more than the networks can do. You know, they can go to push the envelope and go to the edge of it more. Like some of the shows on Amazon and Hulu and Netflix are able to do vice a commercial network station. Maybe AMC could pull it off, but I don't know if a CBS or one of the major networks could because they still have that kind of glittery TV feel. So I, I don't know. Sure. Thought. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, um, I guess that's, uh, that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for checking us out tonight. Um, oh, yeah, thank I you. guess uh Donnie, uh, where can they reach you? Um, Facebook. Um, uh, the Avengers of Baby Skeletor is pretty much uh, wrapped up, uh, has, has pulled up stakes. It's still out there. You can still kind of catch me there if you want to. I mean, I'm, I'm keeping all the old web uh, comics uh, available for people to, uh, to look at. Just four years' worth of content, so anybody wants to catch up. So you can still catch me through there, but mainly through Facebook right now. It's probably the only way to really get a hold of me. Um, I've got a couple other projects in the works, though, so we'll we'll see what happens. Right, you might need to expand your social media, you know, at some point. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I, plan, I, I, I plan I plan to I plan to start uh, a personal Instagram here soon. I've got a Twitter. I just need to I just need to get back into the swing of things with that. So um, it'll happen. All right. Uh, what about you, Alfred? Uh, yeah, I can be reached on um, Facebook at Alfred Crane, C-R-A-N-E, and also at the Video Alternative and the Video Alternative Part 2, which are two groups I run on Facebook where we just get together to talk about movies and shows. Um, and, of course, the Hollywood Boulevard Podcast um, Station. And um, just a plug right. for next week, I'll be um, hosting on Star Trek The Next Generation, The Early Years, and our guest host will be Beth Phillips from um, up north of Rhode Island. And um, she's part of the Make It So-So podcast, which um, check that out. It's about um, Star Trek The Next Generation's um, not-so-great episodes. It's quite humorous. I enjoy what they have to offer there. Mm-hmm. So I'll be next All Monday. Right. Um, and you can reach me at Jonathan Moody on Twitter, Jonathan A. Moody Film. Uh, I think film or filmmaker on uh, Instagram. Just look up Jonathan A. Moody on uh, Instagram. Uh, you'll find me. And then also on Jonathan A. Moody on Facebook. And I think I have a Facebook page. Um, also check out my podcast in the Film Cafe, which we will be having a um, B-movie night uh, at, at a cafe, at the uh, Firehouse Cafe, this Friday night, 420. Um, we're going to be watching a robot monster, so that would be pretty cool. Um, it'll be in Fort Monroe, so uh, if you want to come out to Fort Monroe and watch uh, a really silly B-movie, uh, I believe next month or the next time that we do it, we'll have Bride of the Monster, which will be, is my favorite, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then uh, also check out All About Acting Podcast, which is still, which is also on Blog Talk Radio, 
that's me and my friend Laura Jean talking about uh, acting stuff. So, all right. Um, I guess that uh, pretty much wraps it up. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for this awesome show and, and putting up with my sickness um, and everything. And thank you guys for listening out there. Hope you guys enjoyed the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for the question, Rob. Okay. All right. You're welcome. Stop is the Twilight Zone. Take care. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night. Bye. Yeah, bye.